0: Welcome to Music She Missed, the podcast where I try to get my best friend caught up in some of the most popular songs and artists that impact our lives. I'm Allison. Hey, I am Rachel, who missed all the music. You did. Hey, Rachel. What's up? (laughs) Another week of this podcast that we do.
1: Every week.
0: Yes, we do. Because you and I like to
1: hang out. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
0: that's not the only reason i'm also a woman on a mission
1: yes to teach me about music because i missed it
0: so uh my question for you this week which i Hmm. you know i try to ask you authentic questions that i don't know the answer to which is kind of funny what
1: it's kind of funny like we've known each other for how many years
0: Yeah, but, like, even with developing friendships, it's rare that you're like, here's a checklist of 100 questions. Let me ask you all of these things to make sure that our interests align. Um, So, so (laughs) that would be weird. Um, That's not making all my friends going forward, though. (laughs) What are your political beliefs? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, But besides that, do you like crime television? Like, like do you like Law and Order or like that? I do. And yeah. Now I'm yeah! What now are I'm putting you on doing? on my sunglasses.
1: What you are like you CSI? doing to me this week? Uh, wait. CSI. Yes. 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 Wait. Who are we listening to? Let's do the drum roll. Let's do it. Drum roll. Da da the who <laughs> why do you do this to me Allison it,
0: that's not a joke the band is called the who I know the oh.
1: I, who is who is the who are we doing like a dr. Seuss group <laughs> <laughs> are they like they're gonna be cats in the hats and the who's it and
0: what what are we doing Allison what okay what? all right I do like the idea of a children's book Called Horton Hears the Who. That is just songs by The Who Illustrated. But uh, it's a band called The Who, and one of their songs is the theme song from CSI. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's not ringing a bell, huh? No.
1: <laughs> okay. So at the beginning of the pandemic with the coronavirus, there was some yeah. guy, he was a rapper. And what he did was taking the Dr. Seuss books and he wrapped the whole book and he would. just Oh, Fox and the... box and Yes, box and Sox. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's good. Is he affiliated with the Who?
0: No. Uh, so, okay. Really? Know. The Who doesn't have anything to do with Dr. Seuss at all. Oh, okay. So I'm just on the train that's not supposed to. Be... You're on a different track, man. Man, <laughs> going on the <laughs> wrong direction there. You come back <laughs> we're talking about a classic rock band called the who oh so that can't they're rock
1: okay am I gonna like it
0: um I mean I love it and so does our super <gasps> guest host for this week but we can't talk about that yet because I need you to rate your current knowledge of the band the who and I'm gonna just throw some song titles at you I think this is gonna be another one of those weeks where you think you've never heard any of these songs and then you go, oh, I have heard this song.
1: Mm, but I don't know. Hall Notes kind of was like a okay. big shocker.
0: Well, okay. It's not. Well, all right. So they have a song called Who Are You? Which I was but referencing. Who I, am I? I really want to know. I don't know who I am. Okay. All right. Um, my Generation. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Baba. Ra- yeah. Okay. You're right. You'll have to listen. They're one of the biggest bands of all time. Where would you rate your current knowledge of this giant band, The Who? One mm-hmm. being Who, and ten being you already know them, which we, you've never had a ten before in the history of this show. No. So I feel like
1: The Who is a little different. I feel like they're on the tip of my tongue, and I just, they're
0: not a complete one, but they're not a two. Maybe they're a 1.5? sure let's go for it. yeah we'll call that 0.5 having seen csi before sure um i feel like
1: that 0.5 is the tip that yeah the feeling of the tip of the tongue i don't know what it is
0: well you're gonna get to know the who really well because you're gonna listen to them every day for a week and when we come back with our super special guest host my other best friend in the whole oh, wide world I know this person. is Diana. I love Princess Diana. <laughs> she's so pretty. She is pretty. <laughs> and she also loves this band really? and made you this playlist so, painstakingly. So
1: they're a rock and roll band, but she's an opera singer.
0: Technically, she sings Baroque music, early music. The thing is, is that Diana is a lover of all music, right? Mm. She is a well, she's a very highly educated musician, <laughs> married to another highly educated musician. Oh and gosh, she wants so so to educate you on the who? What? This whole next part
1: B of the recording. I'm so nervous. Why? You know, Diana, you know, she's a oh, super yeah, nice she's person. Super awesome. I love Diana. Um, love her. But she's really smart about music. We usually well, talk about other stuff.
0: it's not a quiz. Just like every other artist we've <laughs> had on here, she's going to share her passion for this band with you and hopefully bring you along into liking them as much as she does. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Right. Rachel, I'll see you and Diana next week. Audience, you can check out this playlist by going to Spotify, colon user, colon music she missed, and we'll see you in
2: just a moment.
1: Here we go
0: welcome back rachel you spent the last week listening to the legendary rock band the who the how'd it go the
1: who what where one week. Okay. How long has it been?
0: We're still in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thankfully for me, right in this moment of this pandemic, I have two of my best friends in the room right now. You and our special guest host from this week, Diana.
2: Yay! Hi! Yay! <laughs> so
0: um, Rachel, I'm curious, just real briefly, how was your week listening to The Who?
1: Um, it was filled with um, my husband commenting, Hey, I've heard this song a million times. Oh, I've heard this song here (laughs) and here and here in my life. And I'm like,
0: Mm -hmm. huh.
1: And how long have we been married? And how long? Why haven't you shared this with me? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, your husband is not as dedicated to your musical education as I am.
1: Well, he used to play a lot of rock band back in the day,
0: so I'm surprised I didn't catch on
1: back then, so.
0: All right. Yep. <laughs> well, before we talk more about the band, um, Diana, I was hoping you could take a minute to explain why you picked this particular group to share with Rachel.
2: Well, the reason the who first came to mind, it all comes down to my dad. So Rachel, you, you got maybe very little to no music from your parents. My dad is a great, just music appreciator. And he this is, of course, in like, the heyday of when he was really really into music but he he really introduced me and my brother and sister to anything classic rock so all the concerts i've been to everything i grew up listening to was stuff like the who and the who was a family favorite um for lots of reasons, partly because it was one of my dad's favorites. And so he would play it all the time. And so I just got really familiar with all the songs, but then he would take time to like explain a song to us or like tell us something he thought was cool. Or like we would all listen to Tommy together, the whole rock opera and like, we all knew it and growing up. And it was just like, it's kind of weird when like thinking back, you know, but at the same time, it was it was something we really bonded over. And me and my siblings, we all have a huge appreciation for this kind of music. So yeah, any time you guys have me back, will probably be something from the 60s or 70s, or maybe bleeding into the 80s. And that's like that and like 17th century music. Those are my jams, 17th you know. century. <laughs> I was about to say I was like
0: regular opera to rock opera. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah basically that's the tie-in right there I know. <laughs> that's
1: really cool um, I really like um, that your family was a part of that and you falling in love with it with your family that's really cool
0: I'm sure we'll talk more about Tommy later um, but has your dad seen The Who or has your family, have you guys gone and seen them?
2: no we haven't unfortunately we've seen many other bands from this mm-hmm. era um All were awesome, by the way, because they all tend to stay really great even as they get older, which we'll talk about more. (laughs) Um, My dad, I I believe, has seen them. Um, I don't remember the last time it it was. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to ask him about that. So,
1: your family does family reunions by going to concerts?
2: (laughs) No, this was back in like elementary, middle, high school that we would go see Jethro Tull. I remember when I was in the fourth grade and we saw, yes. So you don't know these bands, but others might. (laughs) Uh, We saw Moody Blues and, you know, Huey Lewis in the News and all these bands from this like era. So your
1: parents would take you to like 11 p.m. concerts in elementary
2: school? they cared yes. about there, there's a story education. behind that if you ever wow yeah if you ever do a jethro toll episode there's a story behind it specifically why that was a family event wow
1: <laughs> i was always put to bed Even when there was kids playing in a,
2: these the were special occasions. it's a special occasion that's right
0: mm-hmm. so um thanks diana uh rachel i'm sure that as you listen to the music this week you had some questions Are there some about like the origins of the band that we want to kind of jump right into?
1: So I have a thing. Are they from England? Because one of the album covers, one of the guys is wearing like a, a union Jack kind of jacket coat ish. And then there's moments where I sort of hear a British accent. And uh, my husband grew up in England. And so when he gets tired, he actually has a British accent. And so um, that's Mm -hmm. where I,
2: Yes, they are indeed from oh. England,
0: and they're part of that time oh, period that we have talked about, Rachel, in the past, like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. who took American mm-hmm. rhythm and blues and Britishified it, and then came back into the states. So are yeah. are they, are right they
1: like technically back? into england or have they kind of expanded into the states and now here to stay or <laughs> i don't know
2: would it be easiest to just talk about kind of like where they yes came from? yes, what happened? That yes. cool so the the there are four guys in the band um So you have Pete Townshend, who's the guitarist. John Entwistle is the bassist. Keith Moon is the drummer. And Roger Daltrey is the singer. So um, the... Pete and John grew up together. They went to school together, like public school together, and Roger Daltrey also went to their school but was a little bit older than than them and got like kicked out of school for doing something and went off and started working in a factory. Um uh, but basically he started up a band and recruited John who then got Pete involved and then that evolved into what eventually became The Who. I did hear or I read somewhere that like I think literally Roger just saw John walking down the street with a bass and was like, Hey, I need a bassist. You know, I want to come audition for my band and that's how it happened. <laughs> you know, that kind band of thing. Band hookup stories um, so are so they... weird. Yeah. And they're all in this like small town outside of London. You yes. know what I mean? And and they basically just like made it happen. And Pete went to art school. Um, so he was kind of doing this graphic design art school thing alongside of playing in this band, the detours. And then as they got more serious, and got management, and um, that band became what is now The Who. Um, one of their early managers kind of got them plugged into the mod movement in London. Do you know anything about that? Uh-huh. Have you heard of mod before?
1: Isn't that like bell bottoms?
2: No, it's a little earlier, but you're right to think that it's fashion related. It's like a, it's like a movement that started with this particular group of young guys in London and it was all related to like high fashion and they would drive scooters and listen to like, like new jazz and, and like certain types of music. And so their early manager decided them to market them for this. They would like in their early shots, you can see they're dressed in these like tailored suits and they like have this real, like what's this classic now classic mod I have a question about Um, that because I was reading about them too and
0: saw that maybe they were playing jazz or that jazz was part of their early music it definitely was
2: Pete's yeah yeah Pete's dad was a jazz musician and his mom was a singer and he originally played the banjo and John Entwistle originally trained on the French horn and was in like a young orchestra and all this stuff. So you might have noticed on a couple of the tracks that there's some horn and it features heavily in Tommy later as you get into that. So they're, they're multifaceted. Um, but yeah, definitely a heavy jazz influence um, to, to their early stuff. Um, and so as they started to get bigger and bigger and they were playing more gigs in, in and around London mostly, and there's one particular time where they were playing at this club called, I think it was like the railway or something like that. And I guess the stage had a kind of a low ceiling, and so Pete Townshend, who was sort of famously, you know, jumping around and like, you know, doing all these moves and swinging his arm, well, he banged his guitar in the <laughs> ceiling. And the audience like <laughs> laughed and kind of freaked out. He got mad and smashed his guitar. Is that on the, the stage first and the is audience, that the first guitar smash? Yes, really. This is the first guitar smash. So they loved ah. it, and so like. People kept coming back to see them at this club because they wanted to see him smash up more of his stuff. And so apparently Keith Moon, the drummer, like the next week kicked over his drums, like kind of in solidarity. And it became one of the things that they were known for, especially in the early days, was smashing up their equipment. And it was actually like a a form of art like this auto destructive art which is supposed to be like finding art and the destruction of things and there's more a lot more to it than that but but it became one of these things that people loved about their act was this like kind of rebelliousness back in wow. the day that's, so, uh,
0: so that's that wild of, that's uh it is it is wild
2: for the 60s <laughs> rachel
0: what is your uh, y- you have a look of confusion on your face I'm just thinking about how much money they spent on all those
1: guitars and equipment and
2: Totally. Well, and actually that is a, that is a theme for them in the early days of the band and honestly throughout a lot of their career was they were strapped for cash. Well, yeah, they like, were destroying their the instruments. Whole time. <laughs> And not just at the beginning when they were up and coming for a long time, partly because they were being super destructive of their very expensive equipment and partly for Mm -hmm. other things of dealing with like royalty issues with former producers and stuff that they kept having to perform live way more than most other bands Mm. because that was how they could make money because they weren't making enough royalties off of their recordings because of some snafu with with their former producer so that's one of the reasons they became such an amazing live band and they're still to this day known as one of the best live acts ever in rock because they're so energetic and they just got so they good got at those it. ten
0: so thousand hours of practice in uh real fast <laughs> so like- yeah
2: they had to just to like feed themselves <laughs> that's funny
0: rachel and i i noticed yeah. that you had some questions about some of the musical instruments that appeared on the tracks,
1: yeah. So I I did notice some of the instruments that you are mentioning about things of just maybe the beginning of that one song, Babe O'Reilly. Uh,
2: Baba uh, O'Reilly. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. What instrument is that in the beginning? Because he kind of goes on it
2: for a while. Hmm. Yeah, so that's that's a very Pete Townshend thing. He wrote most of their songs. Um, he was the big kind of creative mind behind the, most of their music. Um, and that instrument is really, it's a kind of synthesizer. It was basically... Um,
0: Lowry there it is
2: it's a Lowry organ and it's and and it's the kind of thing like was it's like an early synthesizer I guess where you could change the sounds and I read that he it's like the marimba sound on this organ that he then made up this tune and the marimba gave it that sort of jittery quality and then he kind of layered it on top of each other to give it that really skittery feeling Mm -hmm. um so yeah and that that's a very but did, did you I don't know if you Wondered about the title of that, considering Baba yeah. O'Reilly doesn't feature the lyric anywhere in the yeah. song. Did you notice I that? I did notice
1: that, but I was like, huh, maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> but I
2: miss a lot of things. Yeah. So... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I that, it's true. It doesn't appear in the song anywhere. But um, yeah, so a lot of people call that song Teenage Wasteland because that's the, the lyric that stands out. Yes. But Baba O'Reilly is a comic. Of two names. The Baba comes from this like Indian guru that Pete Townshend followed, Mayor Baba. And that was kind of his spiritual guru guy. And then the O'Reilly came from a a, a sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Not that. (laughs) It should have been that. No. Uh, (laughs) It was one of. So if, if, if Mayor Baba was, you know, Pete's spiritual influence then terry riley was a big musical influence he was like a sort of a jazz minimalist composer that he modeled a lot after and that's why there's this sort of repetitive rhythmic minimalist thing at the beginning that's very much like this composer terry riley so that's why he called it so diana we
0: talked we talked a little bit about that song so they they became popular in the uk they became popular in the u.s But why, I mean, I know why, but why would you say that this band had a staying power and B is considered to be one of the most important rock bands of all time, (laughs) right? Like how did we, how did these four guys go to being one of the biggest names in rock?
2: Right. That's a good question, especially because I don't think they ever actually had any number one singles. They had many like top 10 singles. Yeah. So like, like your husband was like, oh, wait, I've heard that song. Oh I, knew that. oh, I know that song. You know, like they have a ton of songs that a lot of people have right. heard. More in um,
0: the UK than of, in the US with yes. number ones.
2: Yeah, I guess and, and often that would yeah. happen. Um, I think I think that that's one of the reasons that they're so influential because they really, really are, is they did a lot of innovative things, both in their live performing, like we talked about. They did all this, like, very... Sh- they did a lot of showmanship. They're very um, exuberant, but at the same time being really tight musically also, cause, so they really perfected their live act. I'd say a lot of it also has to do with their songwriting. Pete had a very... He's, he's very... Um, he was very and is he's still alive is is very literary so writing lyrics and he wrote poetry he wrote short stories he's done a lot of he even ran he like had his own publishing house for a while and worked as an editor in a big london publishing house for a while so there's that side which is very artistic and then of course musically too he was constantly like stretching himself musically and creatively to do things like and we haven't talked about this much yet but create a new genre essentially of a rock opera or like a or he called it also a song cycle which is actually a classical thing um of basically a group of songs where when you put them together have some sort of thematic thing tying them together or narrative thing in some cases for example
0: Um, like a a pastoral symphony that kind of tells a story or evokes
2: not, not exactly. I'm thinking more specifically about vocal oh. music where composers would write whole sets of songs gotcha. that might like walk through someone's life or something like and that. It's um, and so that's kind of what he did. And that was a whole new thing in rock. So he was one of the first to... To do sort of these concept albums where it would be more than just, oh, we wrote a bunch of songs we hope are hits, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. something, you know, that they're trying to say or something they're trying to do a different, a different angle, you know, every time they would put out an album. That kind of that thing. That is one
0: of the So yeah. That's think- one of the hard things about doing our show, Rachel, the way that we do it is that you don't get a whole mm-hmm. album, you don't get a full concept. Um, you get yeah. the hits you get the songs people know and that's probably the most beneficial mm-hmm. to you and if when you find the artists you like you know to go back and listen to those concept albums is probably the way to go yeah but, Beyonce
1: did those, i mean because they
0: they did beyonce did those concept albums right lots of artists we've covered have done those concept mm-hmm. albums
2: and this is kind of the beginning, yeah. Uh, like the, the Who wasn't the only ones, but they were certainly one of the early ones, and they were one of the ones to probably to kind of push it along. Um, and they did they did things that are really kind of amusing that I haven't spent a ton of time delving into. But like, they have one album where they purposely like made up a whole bunch of commercial jingles and fake ads to play in between their songs. It's called the who sells out. So there's all these like hit songs and then there's all these like goofy jingles. they made awesome. up, you know, it's like, yeah, they did. And they, so they have a lot of really clever creative stuff and they're just kind of constantly creating, you know? So
1: are they still together?
2: Sort of. <laughs> um, they, so, so, they they stayed, you know, um, making new music and touring a lot through the 60s and well into the 70s. Um, at one point, um, Keith Moon had an accidental overdose mm-hmm. of um, medication he was prescribed um, to combat his alcoholism mm-hmm. and he died, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, right before. Tour. They all had their bouts with various substances and vices. Um, also, like know, a lot of artists we've known. studied, as many as many did. Um, but um, but they um, so they, they kind of all went their separate ways for a while there. Um, but um, more recently, um, and I think John Entwistle passed away of cancer, I think, or heart attack or something in the early two thousands. But Pete and Roger. Um, are still making music it's funny because they sort of famously butt heads, oh. and and never were really great buddies but they very much creatively fed off of each other and we're in our like a real powerhouse of a team what what you know and so that's and so they just came out with an album in 2019 I thought
0: that was wild that I great. had no idea
2: that critically acclaimed and, and that's why I put ball and chain on the playlist because I was like, I feel like Rachel needs to hear like, what does 70s, you know, the who's when they're in their 70s sound yeah. fun, oh. you know? not from the and,
0: 70s, uh, but in their 70s. No, no,
2: like in their 70s. So that was still Roger singing. <laughs> yeah. So that was a Pete Townshend song that Roger was singing uh, and he sounds pretty bonkers. Yeah, yeah I could tell. I was thinking, over like, did they it.
1: get a new singer? Was something going on yep, with Ball and it. Chain, and I'm like, I,
2: it's called aging. Yeah, well, I could hear. Happened, in
1: Instruments <laughs> that it was still the Who, and I could still hear it in the music, yeah. lyrics of just the how they did their lyrics, and um, but the Ball and cha- Chain song kind of threw me for a loop, and I was like, who is this singing?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so that's their single from their 2019 album. That's wow.
0: wild to me. So I also read that, yeah, they, were, that they never even got, came into the same room, that they just recorded it like <laughs> totally separate from each other. Which is
2: like, I think it's awesome. Like, they definitely, like, respect each other, but they don't really get along, and it's really funny to, like, read about the two of them, just big, big creative personalities. And at one point, I think early on, Roger got kicked out of the band, because he was kind of the dictator at Mm -hmm. the beginning, and he was really... Mm -hmm. And they kicked him out at one point, and then brought him back in, but with the, the caveat that he can't take over Mm. Uh, from then on things were a little bit more evenly spread and they got better management too i think i'm sure that helped but so
0: diana before we talk about rachel's favorite songs we've talked about tommy a couple times i was hoping you could i was hoping you could talk about that and then also um their other like biggest album
2: yeah tommy is the the rock opera they're most famous for and it's a project that um Pete Townshend came up with he just had an idea wouldn't it be cool to make a story about a kid who's you know deaf and blind and can't speak and like what that would be like um so he developed this whole story about this this character Tommy Walker the song that um, Rachel
0: heard is Pinball Wizard
2: Ah. which is the the big single from from that because Tommy was a pinball wizard in addition to being you know a deaf deaf dumb and blind boy right um but there are a lot of there's a lot of interesting music they really developed a lot musically in that album but it tells this whole big dramatic story of of tommy and and i don't need to go into the whole plot but it goes into a lot of spiritual things and just a lot a lot of different subjects and they're they're um they did a lot of developing of that project once they finally, actually it's funny because Pinball Wizard was written after most of the rest of it because they realized they didn't necessarily have like a radio mm-hmm. hit. And so Pete decided, or so maybe the manager suggested, I don't remember, it was like, maybe you should try to write a song. And, and and I think they were trying to, hoping to get a good review of the album and they thought, well, we better write a hit song so that we'll get a good review. And that's exactly what he did. He wrote Pinball Wizard, threw it in the middle of the album and they loved it. And it was like this huge hit. <laughs> and so it worked. Um, but it was a big critical success. They ended up orchestrating it and touring it with different orchestras. Then they ended up making a movie of it, um, which is pretty good. And won Roger Daltrey a Golden Globe nomination wow. for playing wow, I didn't know that in the movie. And it has, like, Tina Turner in it. It has... Um, Rachel oh, do you know who uh, Tina Turner Tina... is a oh. little bit okay yes. you know oh, she's a person that's awesome it has Elton John's in it um a bunch of other uh people huh. um I'm blanking on some names at the moment oh Anne Margaret I don't know if you know who Anne Margaret is she was the mother and um so then they they so they toured that that Album they toured Tommy extensively, and that's where the, I think m- more people got drawn to them and I think that has a lot to do with their staying power mm-hmm. is because that was yeah. such a successful not just the album and the music but the touring show was so exciting and and they did it was such a just a, such a unique thing. they played a lot of it at woodstock um, and so yeah they just gained a lot of fans that way. I think that was
0: another thing I was hoping you were going to mention is that they were at Woodstock they are kind of like mm-hmm. a um like in important musical moments and influencing artists over the past how many years is that now? Six, fifty? A, a lot. Less many decades. Um but even in uh twenty ten they like played in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and a couple of years later for the World Cup or the Olympic no, probably the Olympics. The Olympics. Yeah. That sounds right. So they're still a big deal also of course in the yeah. hall of fame uh you know they where you know the old rock and roll hall of fame rachel that you have been to <laughs>
2: you know that you about. know
0: <laughs> they're in there <laughs> um and yeah are just widely regarded as very influential
2: hmm. mm-hmm. and they also like a lot of their individual style like musical style was also very influential like pete played his guitar in a particular way where he combined lead playing, which is, you know, more melodic with rhythm playing, which is more of the strummy stuff. And he famously combined those two. He wasn't the only one or the first one, but he did it and kind of ran with it. And because a lot of bands would have two guitarists doing those two separate jobs. And he famously did both of them. Um, And that's one of the things that was, that's really interesting about stuff. Same kind of deal with John Entwistle on bass. He also famously took the bass and made it more of a lead instrument and played more melodies on it took it up higher and like was more front and center and then the same could be said about the drummer Keith Moon who was again famously virtuosic and exuberant and he was the guy that was like always twirling his sticks around throwing them up in the air and like doing all this wild stuff he had this giant drum kit and he was very athletic on the stage because he was like doing all this you can look up videos is like super wild and then then you have roger this crazy awesome singer who's just all over the place too and so again they're very very exciting to watch and they they all kind of took their individual instruments really far
0: too so rachel I'm, i'm actually curious because when um off air last week you expressed a lot of concern about this week and listening to their music you weren't sure that you were gonna like it and i and i encouraged you um, to, to say this is energetic music, right? Like everything Diana's talking about, their energy on this stage, right? This performance. And to, to listen to the music with a high energy attitude and like a high energy, um, in a high energy atmosphere. I'm curious as you were listening this week and you were kind of picking your likes and dislikes, were you able to connect with some of that energy?
1: Uh, I would say <laughs> a little bit. But now that Diana has, like, explained to me that they're very, you know, outgoing with their instruments and all over the stage and their entertainers, like, now that's kind of clicking. Because when I heard the music, I was listening to the music. But after hearing the music, I was like, okay, there's some sound that is hitting at the minute marker of such and such. I am holding my ears shut and... But then there's moments where, oh, I really like these lyrics where I can see where Pete, the artist, is really coming out. Where he actually, he really works on them. And then some of the storyline. And I think that's really why Pinball Wizard was probably one of my favorites. Because it was such a fun song to listen to. But also it's told the story. And it was fun. I liked it.
2: So. Well
0: so why don't we why don't we talk about the songs that you like and dislike? Because I think that most of the questions that you have remaining are specifically about specific mm-hmm. songs. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. So, so why don't we start with what you don't like? Because let's end on a high note. Get that out. Y-
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> I almost liked which yeah, the song is over. I almost like that song. Um almost. <laughs> It was the two-minute, 30-second mark where this high-pitched sound, oh, my goodness, it came over me, and it, I died. I died
2: every
0: single day.
2: It's high-pitched sound, I can't even picture what, what I, exactly I was talking about. I was listening to the the also- soundtrack, and
0: I remember listening to that song and going, oh, Rachel's going to like this one, and then hearing, like, the me like, in the background, whatever it was, and going, nope, Rachel's not going to like this one. <laughs> I, like,
2: knew it. Yeah, I was gonna say. At first, I'm a little surprised. I'm like, oh, I no, not I, I thought Rachel would like that one, but you're yeah. I <laughs>
1: know. it got to the point of every single day, where whenever I heard that song, I knew it was coming up at the end of the week. But um, I know what I was looking at. Oh, what I was looking at on Monday. What I was looking at on Tuesday. Exactly when that high pitched sound, because I would just stare at that item and just cringe in pain.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm so, yeah. sorry.
1: I almost like that song, but it didn't work out for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, and then Boris the Spider. Yeah. Did you
0: not just, did you like it just because it's not about it, because it's about a spider?
1: No, there was this 70s trippy sound to it where I was just like, oh, I don't want to go on that road trip. Yeah. Sorry. It's, I'm doing some staycationing here in this pandemic, so yeah <laughs> i actually
2: that's definitely like a joke song
1: i could see that in the lyrics but i don't like spiders not even a joke like um i was cleaning out my <laughs> daughter's um room and helping her out and she had this like you know those black ring spiders um that yes you get halloween and i don't know it just i guess fell behind her desk and so I'm cleaning out her desk and helping her out, and I see it there, and I think it's real. I am screaming, running out of the room. My <laughs> husband works from home, so he's like thinking something has happened because, yeah, things have happened. And yeah, it was just a little Halloween trick or treat.
2: Well, at least, I mean, at least it's about the spider getting squished, right? True. I mean,
1: but it didn't get squished fast yeah. enough. That's the problem
2: well the that song was written by John Entwistle, huh. the bass player. He wrote a few songs He wrote several songs and and ended up doing like at least one of his own albums of of his own stuff. But he is sort of known for like h- having this kind of dark, twisted take on when he writes songs. Yes. <laughs> and so this was a joke song written. I read somewhere that it was like. He had been hanging out the bar with the guitarist from the Stone Rolling Stones or something, and they were just joking around about like funny names for animals. And he came up with Boris the Spider, and like wrote this weird song and sang in this weird voice. And now, which apparently has influenced a lot, like Aaron was just pointing out, a lot of like like punk rock and metal and stuff was this this kind of dark, twisted humor. Mm side and actually there's a couple songs in Tommy that are kind of that are have disturbing subject matter that relate to the, the storyline of Tommy that Pete requested that John write because Pete was not comfortable like writing these songs about some of these kind of dark twisty characters. And so John wrote those for whatever reason he was good at like finding these odd like <laughs> hmm. I, things and 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 right with it i just think it's kind of I, I again it was a thing when i was a kid you know we're all like dad play boris the spider because we thought it was funny, i just want know? to say i just want to say
0: that um i i associate with john i understand what it's like to be the person who's dark and funny um but two two things about this song one is that recently rachel cleaned out my garage and she did it without screaming and running away oh
1: so there were a uh, lots and lots of like kind of hatched
0: spider <laughs> eggs,
1: spider eggs, and they hadn't hatched yet. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, it was very hard. I had to yeah,
0: that was But not... she did it. So... I did it anyways cuz
1: I love Allison. <laughs> um what my friend, second. I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: the second thing is that Rachel d- um right before this, I was talking with Diana. I was like, "Why you know, I was telling her, she was like, Do you think Rachel will like it? And I was like, She won't like Boris the Spider <laughs> because I know you hate spiders. I and then I was like, Why didn't you put Happy Jack on there? There's a song called Happy Jack and it's very happy. Well, and actually, I
2: probably would like it.
0: It, it. Yeah. So look that one up.
2: Well, you got the Diana playlist, not the well, Rachel playlist. Fair enough. And you know what, Diana, you're exactly right.
0: Because like you, you are sharing your your passion. But Rachel, if you would like to um, remove spiders and put in Happy Jack, I just didn't want to mess with it because you that. know two weeks ago yeah. I messed up with someone's playlist and made it worse. So I'm <laughs> keeping my hands out of
2: it. I I would approve of okay. that change. I would I would be okay with that. We can okay. make that switch. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. so were there any other ones you didn't like, Rachel?
1: So, question. Because of all that, did John write the song Behind Blue Eyes? Uh, no, I don't think
0: so. Mm-mm.
1: Who wrote Behind Blue Eyes? Because whoever did... Great. You don't like them. I didn't like the
2: lyrics. <laughs> what didn't you like about it?
1: Um, I like Blue Eyes. But this one just... Didn't make me fall in love more with Blue Eyes, and it was like the goal. I don't know. Yeah, it's the goal to make Rachel like the music. Then yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because I missed it, so I gotta love it. I I I guess I don't
2: know.
0: (laughs) Comments about that song? Well, this Hmm? comments about that song, Diana. Um,
2: this was um a. Pete song, and this is so thereafter. After he wrote Tommy, um, he began this other project that he had a really specific idea for called Lifehouse, and it was another sort of concept rock opera, had a storyline. But it was, it was more, I I still can't figure out what it was really supposed to be about. <laughs> I have tried to read about it a bunch. It's very, again, very spiritual. There's particular characters that go on this particular journey. And it kind of got, it just got too confusing. And finally, the band was like, this isn't working. It's too confusing. We don't know what's going on. And he finally abandoned it. But a bunch of the songs he wrote became their next album, which was Who's Next, which is like the, the most famous, the album. biggest album the most famous has the most famous songs on it so this was it was apparently sung by the villain in the story oh. I don't I couldn't tell you what the story is but that that's why it's kind of an off like tone oh interesting because yeah like like that he was he felt like he was a good guy, but he was sort of forced into being a villain and this is his song kind of mm. thing. Um and so that might be what you're react like part of what you're mm. reacting against is it's coming from a different point of view. It's from a it's from a character, yeah. you know. It's not I mean, of course it's drawn from things in Pete's life and stuff too, but it's it's from a character in this story he was trying to create. That's so cool. Um,
1: on that specific album. Is I Can't Explain. Is that
2: one from that album? Mm-hmm. No. I Can't Explain was their very first single. Back at the very beginning. Of when they became The Who. So, so that was from the first huh. album. So how,
1: who named The Who? The Who? Uh, they they
2: did. How? Uh, it was, <laughs> they were. They, <laughs> before this um they their first iteration i think they were called the the detours and then when they became a mod band they were called like the i don't remember it was like the high lifers or the the i I didn't write that one down because i didn't think it was interesting but oh the high numbers that was their name and then at one point they were like they're like records didn't make it and they're like forget this they decided to change their name and i think they were just tossing around ideas and they thought the who sounded cool it's almost like
0: a joke like it's kind of like over trying to be funny it's like oh i'm listening to the who the who like that joke probably in 1960 whatever was fresh and funny funny and
2: interesting (laughs) (laughs) knock knock
1: Aren't you glad I didn't say banana?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and this next album by the Who should be called Aren't You Glad I Didn't Say Banana? Okay, so, oh, Rachel, let's cool. talk about a few of the songs that you did like. What were your favorites? I know you had a lot on your list, but...
1: Um, so, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit, just a little. Oh. Um, when I saw the Pinball Wizard um, album cover, I see four guys in the picture. But then, it goes from on their cover to the next
2: album, and I see seven guys, seven people. Are you talking about the album of Tommy, the cover where it's like a blue grid and they're like faces in the grid? Is that what you're yes. talking about? Yes, and
1: it's like they're holding up their one hand, but they're and they're showing their yeah. face, but it's not like they're showing the rest of their bodies. Where are they getting these extra people in their lives?
2: It's, it's, it's just the four of them. It's just different pictures of the four of them that that art artwork was created alongside the creation of Tommy, because again, this is a very this concept album, this whole rock opera thing they were trying. It was very curated. And so they had a specific artist who did the album artwork. Um, I, I wrote it down somewhere and um, but um and so there was a specific reason that they chose to do it that way. And it had to do with the fact that Tommy was was blind and couldn't relate to his environment. So that's why they all had their hand out. You know what I mean? It was very um, conceptual and had to do with the artistic vision of the album and of the cover artist um and all that stuff. So um so yeah so it's not seven people it's still the same guys it's just more about the concept of the album and less about the who in but that that's case. a
0: song you really liked right rachel
2: yeah i did
0: i like
1: that one the pinball wizard was probably my number one
0: okay um song um
1: but also i liked my generation
0: that's a good I one feel, too
1: i feel like i might have heard that song but i don't know where I've heard
0: that song.
1: Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> Diana, can you think of places in pop culture it. where that song has popped up?
2: Probably, probably commercials. like commercials and like all kinds of that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like it's been on commercials probably
0: since sure. the nineties, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. Please. Car commercials
0: yeah. or tech commercials or yeah.
2: That one has sort of a funny inspiration. Apparently, it was partly inspired by the story that Pete Townshend's car was towed one day by the queen mother who lived in his neighborhood (laughs) and was going on her daily drive and was offended by the appearance of his, like, 1935 Packard (laughs) car parked on the side of the road and had it towed. And he got really mad. And this was his like, "Ah," yeah, one of their angry he was really young and. And um, and, I've, and I've also heard, you know, the, the stuttering sound that Roger does in the singing. I've heard a couple things about that, heard, read um, that it was possibly meant to mimic, like, somebody who was on speed, mm-hmm. you know, like, stuttering with their speech. But I also read elsewhere, which sounds also very possible, that... that Roger hadn't rehearsed it a lot before they were recording. He was trying he was trying to get the lyrics to fit with the music and the first time he did it, he kind of stuttered like that to get it right and they thought it sounded cool. They were like, "Run with it." That's awesome. So, you know, probably some combination of those things.
0: <laughs> I love that song. It was a classic rock mm-hmm. at the Max. What mm-hmm. else did you like, Rachel?
1: I also like the lyrics. Um, I thought some of the lyrics um I could hear the artist wanting to speak and really painting the specific picture, and really not allowing the picture to be completely drawn, but wanting those that who heard mm-hmm. the um, the artist's work to be able to make their own determination from it. And so um, mm-hmm. I can see for miles and love mm-hmm. rain over me. Were those two songs that really kind of jumped out at me this week, and um, and it was through their lyrics that really jumped. I like
2: both those too. I I like them. I think that's the description of a lot of the lyrical style is a lot of it was drawn from Pete's life and his own experiences, sometimes really specific experiences um, such as in who are you? Mm -hmm. Like there was like a really specific night that happened just like it happens in the song where like he was working all day in meetings about royalties and he went to a bar and he ran into a couple of you know punk rockers from the sex pistols and got drunk and then passed out in a random doorway in Soho and a policeman came like this whole thing happened, you know, but on the other hand, like he tends to write lyrics in such a way like you said that there, there, there's layers and there could be layers and you could infer more in it. And so that's what makes a lot of it really interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, when it came to the "Who Are You" song, um, was mm-hmm. that their most
2: popular one or not? I mean, I don't know if it was the most popular, but it was definitely it's definitely yeah. up there. Um, I think I think I I read it got to like number seven in the U.S. or something like that.
0: But like, because it's also like a theme song, it's kind of got extra, um, pop culture. Yeah, like extra low. kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and I think it was one of their obviously go to's for live performance too. It was probably a crowd favorite in terms of live performance yes. as far as like was it their most successful song? Not necessarily, but it was it's definitely one of And
0: the Everybody favorites. likes to yeah. go hoo who like <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes. My daughter actually by the end of the week she was singing that song.
0: <laughs> well just You know, Rachel, I know you always, you like to know how, you know, popular and important like bands are. Um, The Who, based on what I was reading earlier today, uh, has sold more than 100 million albums. (laughs) So they're, they're very, very um, important and famous and popular and influential Mm -hmm. and cool. Yeah, they seem like yeah. they're cool.
1: And um, talking about cool, have they met the cast of CSI? Has CSI met
2: them? Actually, Roger Daltrey has played four different characters <gasps> on CSI. No That's joke. awesome. And apparently, I don't watch CSI, so this is all just stuff I've read, but apparently he does the voiceover at the beginning of the show, whatever they do to introduce the show. Oh. That's cool. Yeah. So because Roger, like I said, he got the Golden Globe nomination from when he did Tommy and he kept acting in certain in some films and TV. And so, yeah, he's been on that. Wow, show. that's
1: kind of cool.
2: So at least he has. That's almost yes. as
1: cool as Johnny Cash being on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman.
0: Almost. <laughs> almost.
2: <laughs> almost. That OK, cool. um,
0: <laughs> Diana, do you have any kind of last minute things you want to say? Or have we hit what counts for you?
2: Yeah, I think we really did. I just, I'm going to say, I'm glad you got a chance to like see what the who is about. And like I said, it's always been one that stuck with me. And I feel like, and it's not just nostalgia for things I listened to when I was a kid with my dad. It's like stayed with me through different parts of my life. Yep, yep this is still cool. I still really like this. You know, it's like yeah. that hasn't changed. Like, and the more I find out, like, the more interested I am. So, anyways, I'm glad you you had a chance to yeah, check it out. Thank you,
0: Rachel. Is there anything you want to know before we rate? Mm. I can't imagine knowing, you know, who played. The synthesizer on <laughs> song number four or whatever, <laughs> we'll talk to you. but you never know. No, I,
1: I think they're um, pretty cool with the lyrics and the drumming and the guitaring. Um, right. I thought that was really cool that um, they really just showed all of the instruments, and there's moments of a solo with the guitar, the solo with the singing and the lyrics, and things like that. They really,
0: oh, you they Sorry, really,
1: ahead. um wanted each of the instruments and themselves um, as artists to shine. And I thought that was very generous mm-hmm. to each other.
2: You had, um, you had asked sort of why some of their songs were mm, longer yes, than you were used to. And that I think is partly just a product of the era, but their particular style also wasn't like, kind of, like I said earlier, they weren't just trying to write hit tunes for the radio. They were Musicians, you know, they were just creating art, they were creating music, and they would write hit songs clearly. And they those would either be cut down or would tend to be in the three, three and a half minute range, right? But yeah. then for the most part, they were just writing music, you know. And so, if they were writing something that they wanted to develop a little bit more and take it in a different direction and move it along, then you'd get a seven, eight minute song. And when they perform it, even a simple song like Magic Bus they would riff on it for 15 minutes. Again, jazz influence and R&B influence and all this stuff. They would have big instrumental solos. And again, they were really, you know, they were musicians, they were really creating. And so I think that's why you could say that that the song lengths are really Mm. different.
0: I think you're saying Diana, is that art doesn't have to fit between commercial breaks.
2: (laughs) Well, there you go. That's like a bumper sticker. (laughs) All
0: right, Rachel. So on a scale of one to 10, one being you want to squish them like a spider and and 10 being um, the song is over, but you're going to play it again. Where would you rate your (laughs) likingness of The Who? I would give it a solid six
1: yeah um,
0: on the positive please. side it is on the yeah, a solid six but that cool. I like it two
1: minute 30 second mark
0: on that one
2: song yeah
0: that's funny well Diana thank you so much for creating this playlist and allowing me the chance to hang out with like my two best friends at the same Yay. time
2: it's pretty fun Thank you guys for having me. I look
1: forward to having you again because I need to continue to learn lots and lots of music. So come on back.
2: I will do
0: that. You say that now, Rachel.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you don't know what else. You don't know.
0: She's got a birth (laughs) leave. All right. Well, if you, our audience, want to see... Uh, what is next in Rachel's journey, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, subscribe to the podcast uh, in Apple Podcasts, and follow this playlist and all the playlists by searching for Spotify colon user colon music she missed. Uh, Thanks so much for listening.
1: Thanks so much and have a great week.
0: Bye. Bye. You didn't say bye, Diana? Oh, bye. (laughs) (sighs) Yes. <sighs>